0: York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I am your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and you are listening to the Friday, July 2nd edition of the show. Thought we would do something a little bit different today. Uh, don't have a guest for you uh, on this Friday before the 4th of July, but uh, this week. We have received quite a few uh, mailbag questions to the uh, big blue view mailbag inbox so many so that uh, I have enough to uh, to fill Saturday's mailbag on the website and I have a few questions left over that I thought uh, thought I would address here uh, on this edition of the podcast so uh, so let's get right to uh, to some of those questions. First question that I have is from Josh Schutzman and, and Josh asks about a CBS Sports NFL head coaching ranking that has Giants coach Joe Judge ranked as number 26 and has him just below or just above Nick Sirianni, the rookie head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. And and Josh wants to know um, know, whether or not uh, the national writer for CBS, who in this case happened to be Cody Benjamin, knows what he's talking about uh, in this case or how I feel about the judges being ranked uh, 26th in this particular uh, coach's ranking. And Josh, you know you you mentioned the uh, the idea that that Cody Benjamin called uh, some of Joe Judge's coaching methods bordering on silliness, you know last season a- as a rookie head coach with the Giants. And, and the reality for me is to be honest, you know, these rankings are bordering on silliness, if not outright silliness. But you know we are in that time of the year when we don't have a lot of news, we don't have training camps, we don't have OTAs, we don't have many camps. We have speculation, we have lists, we have rankings, you know, we have previews. This is the kind of thing that we have to talk about. Now, let's look directly at at this ranking. When 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 we do these kinds of rankings, when anyone does these kinds of rankings, first-year rookie head coaches you know, should be at the bottom of the list. And for the most part, that's what we have here in this list. Um, we have, uh, at the as number 32, we have David Cully of the Texans. 31 is Dan Campbell of the Lions. 30 is Zach Taylor of the Bengals. 29 is Robert Sala of the Jets. 28 is Urban Meyer of the Jaguars. 27 is Sirianni, and 26 is Joe Judge. Now, to be honest with you, you know, I kind of have a problem with this ranking. And again, you know, these these rankings are, are utterly and completely meaningless. They have no impact on the upcoming season. This is one person's opinion. But I, I look at these rankings and I see Judge at number 26, and I see Vic Fangio of the Broncos at 25, and Vic Fangio with a with a two-year 12 and 20 record, a 3.75, you know, win percentage. Uh, you know, what has Vic Fangio done in two years with with Denver? I mean, we're talking about one spot here, but but is Vic Fangio really deserving of being higher up on this list than Joe Judge? Brandon Staley, rookie coach for the Chargers, is listed as 24. And that's a come on, you've got to be kidding me, you know, for me. he He's never done it. So how do you rank him above anyone who actually has done it? So, you know, for me, you know, Staley is way too high on this list. The one that bugs me, to be honest with you, when I look at this list is Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers being ranked number 18. You know, the the Panthers went 5 and 11 last year while the Giants went 6 and 10 and you can't judge everything by record, but but for me there's nothing there's nothing that shows that Rule did a better job in Carolina or will be a better long-term head coach. Than Joe Judge, there's nothing from last season that that shows any of that that indicates to me that people should feel better about Matt Rule than they should about Joe Judge. I mean, other than the fact, if you want to hold some of the the training camp stuff with the lap running and all of that, if you want to hold all of that against Joe Judge and and, and just uh, and look at that and and put him down for those things. Then, then you know, then that's really on, on whoever's doing that because that's not really paying attention to what happened with the Giants. That's not listening to what happened. That's not listening to what the players said and and looking at how the players reacted to Judge. I mean, the players love Joe Judge. I see no reason why you know Matt Rule should be looked at and ranked so much higher you know, than Joe Judge in a situation like this. Um, You know, rankings are rankings. As I said, they're meaningless. And and, and to me, there aren't 25 head coaches in the NFL better than Joe Judge. Um, You know, we have to wait and see how things things pan out for the Giants in 2021 and beyond. Joe Judge is going to be around for, for a while for the Giants. I think that in the end, he's He's going to be a successful head coach in New York. That's what matters, not really where he is, you know, on a a fairly arbitrary ranking like this. But you know, my my general thoughts are that I look at I look at Matt Rule at 18 and Joe Judge at 26 and a guy like Brandon Staley who's never done it at at 24, and, and I wonder, you know, what what is Cody Benjamin of CBS thinking? What is he doing here? Um, you know, he's he's holding. Joe Judge's methods against him he's not he's not looking at the results he's not looking at at how players feel about Judge at how players have have bought into what Judge is selling and and he's not understanding that that there is progress being made in New York so much depends on on the progress of Daniel Jones on you know as far as how the Giants do in 2021 but I feel very, very good about Joe Judge as the head coach for the New York Giants for the next several seasons. All right, let's move on to another question here. You know, one of my one, one of my favorite uh, things that, that I see people do uh, when they want to to get a mailbag question answered is they'll send me several questions. It's sort of like, here's the menu of questions, Ed. You pick what you want to answer or you answer the one that you think is the best. And And, and I got an email like that this week from... From Glenn Mossolf, I believe is how you pronounce the last name. Uh, pardon me, you know, apologize, Glenn, if I if I didn't pronounce that correctly. But uh, you you did kind of a cool thing here. You sent four or five questions, and, and some of them are pretty good questions. And what I'm actually going to do here, uh, I'm going to take three of the questions. That, that that Glenn asked, and I'm going to uh, to talk about those three questions here um, on uh, on today's show. The first question from Glenn is, which do you think has the higher chance of success this season between the two potential starting guards, Shane Lemieux improving his pass blocking, or Will Hernandez moving to the right side? And, oh, that's that's a tough question but what i what I do think I'll start by talking about Hernandez. I think that will Hernandez is going to do fine on the right side. will Hernandez I've said this a number of times this off season. Will Hernandez is not a bad n f l starting guard. He really has been just an adequate average starting player, you know for his first three seasons with the Giants. Which he gets a bad rap because that is not what the Giants expected when they drafted him in you know early in the second round in uh, in 2018. So you know, there was a lot of buildup around Will Hernandez as the second best guard in that draft behind you know perennial All-Pro Quentin Nelson and and Will has simply not lived up to that. To that pro Bowl caliber player that that people expected him to be i feel I had a long conversation i don't know if uh you know some of you probably read the the article that I did on hernandez uh in when I spoke to duke manyweather offensive line you know performance consultant who runs uh o l offensive line masterminds will did a lot of training spent two months this off season with Duke Manyweather at OL Masterminds in Dallas. And I feel very encouraged after speaking with Duke about the work that they did to improve Hernandez's footwork, to improve his conditioning, to improve his movement skills, to get him more or less used to the movements and the patterns that are required to play on the right side. I feel very good about about how seriously Hernandez took his preparation for the season. I think that Will Hernandez is going to do just fine playing right guard for the New York Giants in 2020. I would say that perhaps I'm a little bit more worried about Shane Lemieux to be honest, although There is a lot to like with this young man. I I believe that perhaps what happened with Lemieux in 2020 is, if you remember, the Giants drafted three offensive linemen in the 2020 draft. Andrew Thomas started from day one at left tackle. Matt Peart was considered to be as a third-round pick. Was considered even by his coach at UConn, Randy Edsel, as a player who probably needed a redshirt season, you know, as, as a rookie. But Perk played a good amount of snaps at both right and left tackle. Beginning fairly early in the season, he was rotated in, um, you know, by Joe Judge, Mark Colombo. Dave Deguilielmo, he was rotated in throughout the season, played probably far more snaps than anyone had anticipated that he might play, and held up pretty well. I I feel pretty good about about Peart heading into 2021. You know that that he'll be able to hold up at the right tackle spot. Interestingly, it was Shane Lemieux, the fifth round pick out of Oregon, who was not getting any snaps out of those three you know, rookie draft picks. He did not play until Will Hernandez went on the COVID nineteen reserve list. And then after that you know after that he he started every game. I think he started the final nine games of the season. Didn't play incredibly well. Showed some signs of being a decent run blocker of you know being able to move the point of attack those kinds of things. But but what I wonder is whether he was really ready to play. I think that what happened here was he he was forced into the lineup full time, you know, when Hernandez went down. The Giants have never confirmed this, but I truly believe that Will Hernandez was not ever fully healthy, you know, after uh, after going through COVID-19, you know, in the middle of the season. I truly believe he was never you know, physically a hundred percent the rest of the year, and that that played a lot into the Giants' decision to to go more or less full time with Lemieux at at left guard. I, I really think that when when I look at the situation, I think the Giants understood that Shane Lemieux was not fully ready for that kind of full time duty, but they were in a situation where they really couldn't give. F- full-time snaps to will hernandez so they did what they had to do And, and and in the end i think those snaps that experience the fact that he was very poor you know he was poor in pass protection obviously but i think all of that experience will be good for shane lemieux heading into the 2021 season. How much he'll improve, I don't know. I mean, if you look at his at his physical profile, there are some limitations in agility. But uh, the one thing I can say is he does appear to work fairly well together with Andrew Thomas. If he can become simply an adequate pass blocker, a guy who isn't a liability on the inside, as he often was a season ago, that might be enough for the New York Giants as they look to to improve their offensive line in 2021. So I would say in all, I'm probably a little bit more confident to be honest in Hernandez because I've actually seen Will Hernandez play some good NFL football over the years. Um, I really have to see it from Lemieux. But, uh, but that's, that's what I would think right now. I think probably I feel a little bit better about Hernandez. Giants fans, let's take a short break here for a word from our SB Nation sponsors. When we come back, I will answer a couple of more mailbag questions from, uh, from Glenn, and, uh, and we'll see what, uh, what topics we get into. Alright Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here on the Valentines Views podcast and as we continue this mailbag edition of the show, we're going through some uh, some Questions from Glenn Mossolf. We did one right before the break. Here's our second question from Glenn. He asks, how do you potentially envision the Giants offense changing with the maneuvering within the coaching staff, Freddie Kitchens gaining more responsibility, Rob Sale running the offensive line, Pat Flaherty being brought in as a consultant, upgrades to the personnel, Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, Kadarius Tony, and potentially better health. Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Glenn. You know we have talked about the the differences in the Giants' offense and what needs to happen and what might happen. We've been we've spent a ton of time on that this off season. the The acknowledgement from the Giants is is simple. It's it's straightforward. The acknowledgement is that they have to make more big. Plays, more explosive plays, more chunk plays, whatever you want to call those. They have to get, you know, more, they have to score more points, 17 points, 31st in the league, near the bottom of the league in explosive plays. That's just not going to get it done. In this modern NFL, it really isn't. You grind it out, go 85, 90 yards in 15 plays, take 10, 12, 14 minutes off the clock or whatever. The NFL is really about which team makes the explosive plays on offense, which team makes the game-changing plays, the turnovers on defense, which team scores points on special teams, It's about those handful of big plays that occur during a game. And and last season for the New York Giants, they just didn't have enough of those. So I think the effort this year is going to be on getting the ball down the field a little bit more, on creating opportunities for guys like Kadarius Toney to get yards after catch, Hopefully, with Saquon Barkley back, you know Wayne Gallman did a terrific job for the Giants last year. You know, and and I admired the way that Gallman ran. He ran with toughness. He ran with purpose. He pushed piles. He got tons of yards after contact. But the one thing that Wayne Gallman is not is a home run hitter. And you know, obviously, that is the thing that makes Saquon Barkley special, that has made him special in the first two years of his career, is when he is healthy, he is a home run hitter. He is a guy who can, if you give him any sort of an opening, he can turn a small play into a huge play. He can turn a five-yard play into a 50-yard play. And, and those are the kinds of things that the Giants need. You know, schematically, I think, hopefully, we will see the Giants rely or use a little bit more pre-stap, pre-snap movement. That is something that, that Mark Schofield has looked at extensively on our website. Hopefully, we will see them use Evan Ingram a little bit differently um, on more movement-based routes, maybe a little bit more on the seam routes, a little bit more down the Field, um, hopefully we will see them. You find you know creative ways to get Kadarius Tony the ball. Maybe even using using him as a punt and kickoff returner. Simply putting the ball in his hands and seeing if he can make some magic with it. Um, in you know Kenny Galladay is another guy who gives them a type of downfield weapon. Not that he's a speed burner by any means, but he's a big strong aggressive target a guy who has always been among the the best in the league you know since he's come into the league he's been among the best in in the the 50-50 catch situations you know Eli Eli Manning made a living throwing 50-50 balls to uh to Hakeem Nicks, you know, back in the glory days of you know when the Giants were winning Super Bowls. He, he throwing 50-50 balls to Hakeem Nix, throwing 50-50 balls to Plaxico Burris, You're throwing the ball up and 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 watching Victor Cruz make you know make spectacular plays. The Giants simply haven't had enough of that. I mean, you have to be able to help your quarterback out as much as everyone talks about Daniel Jones. You have to be able to make plays for your quarterback. You have to do things so that so that it's not all on the quarterback to to make plays. That's kind of been the problem in Green Bay for for a number of years. Is so much of the issue, so much of the of the load has been shouldered by Aaron Rodgers, and and you can't ask Daniel Jones to do it. All of it by himself. Sometimes you have to be able to hand the ball to your running back, make a guy miss, and, and, and make yardage that's not there. Sometimes you have to have a receiver go up and and make a catch on a 50-50 ball. Sometimes you, you have to you know be able to, to throw the ball out to a guy, make some guys miss, and turn a 5-yard play into a 20-yard play. Those things help your offense. They help your quarterback look better. They build confidence. They lead to more points, and those are the kinds of things we're hoping to see from the Giants. In terms of the, the coaching staff changes, I'm really curious to see how the Freddie Kitchens move from tight end coach to senior offensive assistant works out Um Joe Judge has said that a lot of Kitchen's responsibility will be tied to to helping Rob Sale with the offensive line, but I have to also think that that he's in that role to to put some heat on Jason Garrett to be a little bit more creative. I mean, it, it, I have looked at it a, and said, look, it's there's a there's a long term relationship and a lot of trust built up between Judge. And Freddie Kitchens, and I think it's fairly apparent that the the next offensive coordinator for the Giants is more than likely you know going to be Freddie Kitchens if and when Jason Garrett moves on is removed, or whatever, so there can't be any doubt that that there's a little bit of a message there's a little bit of a heat. Put on Jason Garrett simply by the promotion of Freddie Kitchens. I'm going to be interested to see how much coordination there is between those two in terms of game plan, in terms of play calling, in terms of you know of, of any of that stuff to do with with the offense. Rob Sale is a guy with a terrific reputation for developing young offensive linemen. He's a guy who's done some. Some offensive coordinating, maybe he brings some new ideas to to the table, especially in terms of of the running game, maybe how to block the running game, you know how to do uh maybe he brings some creative concepts with him from from the college level. As for Pat Flaherty, I thought it was interesting a couple times that Jason Garrett mentioned Pat Flaherty in conversations before he even talked about Rob Sale or Freddie Kitchens. Flaherty's experience, his familiarity with New York, all of that has to help the Giants. It has to help Rob Sale, who's never been an NFL coach before, just in terms of figuring out uh, the flow of how NFL practices work. You can do a lot of things in college practices, just in terms of physicality, in terms of how often guys wear pads, in terms of how often they practice. Uh, You can do a lot of things there that that because of the CBA and, and and the NFL Players Association that you can't really do at you know you, you can't really do at the NFL level. So there's an adjustment for Rob Sale, and I think that, that an old steady hand like Pat Flaherty will be a huge help to him uh, in terms of uh, of adjusting to uh, to how things work actually in the NFL. Glenn's final question, and the final question that we're going to answer here in this mailbag edition of the podcast, regards Joe Judge's comment uh, at the uh, at the beginning of his time as Giants head coach that he wants to uh, to know from his coaches, he wants to know what a player can do, not what a player can't do, um, and and what Glenn wants to know, he he, and I'm not going to read the question verbatim because it's it's kind of a long one. Uh, But Glenn wants to know, basically, he said Patrick Graham did a good job, you know, finding those things out throughout last season and and making good use of his players, but the... uh, but then on on the flip side, on the offense, Glenn says, given the difficulties of an inexperienced offensive line, injuries to the backs, receivers, and quarterback. Can you provide your take on how Jason on Jason Garrett and his performance last season in terms of maximizing the talent he had on offense? And Glenn, now this is an interesting question. It really is. I mean, Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett is an easy target for frustrated Giants fans. You know, there were a lot of Giants fans who weren't crazy about the idea of the Giants hiring Garrett to begin with. And, you know, coming off a season in which they they finished 31st in offense, he is obviously an easy target for criticism. He's an easy guy to put on a hot seat, you know, heading into 2021. There are some ways when I look at the season the Giants had on offense I have my criticisms of Garrett and we'll get into some of those but I also do want to say that that I think that Garrett did make some adjustments throughout the season. I think that he did try some things. If you look at it when Saquon Barkley went down, the Giants, you know, first had to turn to DeVonta Freeman who's a guy they picked up in season. And then they, you know, they they had Alfred Morris. They, they, they finally, eventually turned to Wayne Gallman. This was a situation where Jason Garrett is was learning his running backs on the fly, trying to figure out what their skill set was, what plays they like to run, you know, what plays. And into the first few weeks of of the season, he's not only trying to figure out the running backs and and what plays they were good at what plays they were comfortable with he's trying to figure out what the young offensive line that had no preseason no off season he's trying to figure out what they could block because remember even in a normal training camp even in a preseason even during the you know even with a regular off season these guys block mostly Without pads, at at most they spend most of their practice time, you know, with with perhaps with with uppers or just with you know with with shoulder pads on. These guys don't do a lot of hitting. They don't do a lot of real blocking. The running game, even for teams with veteran running backs, with veteran offensive coordinators, veteran offensive lines, the running game is one that takes the most time because a lot of these practices throughout the offseason are glorified passing camps, seven on sevens, you know, one on ones, you know, all stuff where, you know, where you can, you can run your routes and get the timing and go through the progressions. But it's very difficult to get the timing of the run game down to understand what your backs can do when, when you, can't really hit at the line of scrimmage when you can't really go all the way through the uh, the the uh, the running plays. So I thought that as the season went on, I thought that Jason Garrett did a very good job figuring out what Wayne Gallman was capable of, what Alfred Morris was capable of, finding ways to incorporate Daniel Jones into the running game finding ways to, to involve tight end Caden Smith in the blocking for the running game. That's an area where I thought Garrett did very, very well. Unfortunately, that one particular area didn't lead to enough points. Mark Schofield, I think, as I've talked about earlier, has talked about the Giants not using enough pre-snap motion. They're they're near the bottom of the league, or they were near the bottom of the league last year in, in In that particular category, most of the teams that use a lot of pre-snap motion that that move guys around, especially who use that motion, not only to try to get information for their quarterback, but to try to create advantages or advantageous matchups are teams that that succeed on offense. And and hopefully we will see more of that. Um, But overall, in terms of Garrett, I want to see more creativity. I thought we saw a little bit toward the end of the year. He did try to, you know, some jet sweep stuff with Sterling Shepard. He did try some reverses with with Evan Ingram. He tried some some creative play calls as the year went on. But I do want to see the. Uh, I do want to see the ball get down the field a little bit more. I do want to see how he incorporates Kadarius Tony into this offense. I do hope to see him learn from a year with Evan Ingram that throwing him the ball, you know, at the sideline or throwing him the ball when he's standing still in the middle of the field is not the best use of his talent. Evan Ingram is a Evan Ingram. Excuse me, is a guy who is better on the move. He's better going vertically. He's better, you know, even on the shallow crossing routes against man coverage where he can use that speed to outrun a linebacker, maybe make a catch and turn up the field. He, I don't think he's as comfortable in the in the, you know, standing in the middle trying to settle in a seam, running those those hook routes or those stick routes and and catching the ball with his feet planted in the ground. And a, as he is, you know, when when he's on the move, and hopefully Garrett will learn his, will, will have an opportunity, and has had an opportunity with somewhat of an off season program, with a real training camp and a real preseason coming up, he'll have an opportunity to to get to understand his personnel, so he really knows what Kenny Galladay can do. He really knows the best ways to get the ball to Kadarius Tony. He figures out you know, ways to to incorporate Kyle Rudolph into the offense, figures out what Saquon Barkley runs best, all of those kinds of things. So all in all, I don't think that Garrett maximized what he had last year. I think there are I don't want to make excuses for him, but I think there are some valid reasons you know, for for some of what happened with the Giants offense last year. I thought the Giants were making progress on offense, to be honest with you, until Daniel Jones suffered that unfortunate hamstring injury, which really took his legs out of the Giants offense for the rest of the season. Um, I thought the Giants had had made progress in finding some things that work and finding ways to get Jones involved in the run game. Um, They were, they weren't, they were not a juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination but but they were playing a little bit better offensive football for a few weeks before Jones got hurt so I'm looking forward to seeing what Jason Garrett will do this season. I do have questions there are things that I want to see. we've talked about those pre snap pre snap motion, the ball going a little bit farther down the field, more vertical stuff you know for Evan Ingram uh. All of, you know. Hopefully, if Saquon Barkley is healthy, the Giants find ways to to get him the ball in space and not just ask him to bang up the middle all the time. Um, so we'll see how it all works out. I think that this will be a good year to to take a good look at at Jason Garrett and see if he actually is capable of of moving beyond a. Basic system that that he's used for a long time, and, and figuring out the personnel that he has, and, and how to maximize all of the different skill sets that he has. Because this year with Galladay and 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 John Ross, perhaps, and and, and Evan Ingram and and, and Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Saquon Barkley. The, the fact that Daniel Jones can run around, you know, can, can can run the ball a little bit. He's got weapons. He's got options. He's got, you know, some, some different ways he could attack offenses. And it'll be interesting to see how all of that unfolds. All right, Giants fans, I think uh, that's our show for today. Really appreciate you guys uh, spending some time with me here as this uh, 4th of July weekend begins. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check out the shows by by Chris Flum and and Joe DeLeon, as well as the shows by Nick filato And I know sometimes those three guys do shows together, so check all of that out. Just um, you know, hit the like button wherever you can you know give us a nice five star rating if you can you know if you think we deserve it if you think we deserve to be uh, to be criticized here on Big Blue View Radio you know please go ahead and do that hopefully hopefully you're you're nice about it when you, when you do that but uh but believe it or not we do we do try to take your your input your criticisms to heart as much as we can so so please you know rate subscribe um, do all of that uh, wherever you possibly can, wherever you, uh, wherever you you listen to to Big Blue View Radio, whatever platform you listen on. Very right, Giants fans, please have a have a good, safe, enjoyable you know Fourth of July holiday weekend. As always, stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye now. Support for this show comes from Fundrise.